Hey guys, this is the C3 Church Malmo podcast. I am believing God will speak to you today and that a greater level of faith will be unlocked in your life. For more information about C3 Church, go to c3malmo.se. God bless. So everybody, please grab a seat and give our pastor Matthew a hand as he comes up here with his message yesterday. Don't go away, Joe. Um, I just want to prophesy over you. Um, I just felt uh, when I was standing over there, when Mordecai said to Esther, when they were facing a really challenging situation, Mordecai said to Esther that you've been called for a time such as this. And I really want to prophesy over you, Joe. I really think that you've been called for a time such as this. I think your life is moving in a direction where you don't ever, would never have ever thought possible that the Lord's going to be using you in incredible ways. And I really believe that a time such as this is a calling of your life right now. I believe that your, your life is going to be, have an impact in the way that you showed humility today. In sharing from your life and what you've gone through is going to allow others to see breakthrough take place in their lives. And I don't think it's an accident that you're here on stage today. I don't think it's an accident anything that you've ever gone through. And I really trust and believe that uh, today has been a, a start for incredible things to come. So I just want to speak life and life and prosperity over you in this area. All right. Cool, man. All right. Cool. All right. Awesome, guys. Great. Um, I'm getting old, so I'm going to put my glasses on. <laughs> it's a little bit strange. You might even not recognize me. It's like, hey, who's that guy on stage? All right, so I'm going to, I'm going to put them on because I, I struggle to see the words. Hey, welcome to the Rhinelanders. Awesome to have one extra Rhinelander in the house today. Great. Baby Vigo. Awesome. What a, what a little cutie. It's, uh, so if you guys don't know, so Lydia uh, um, has uh, given birth to a new baby boy recently, and so it's wonderful to have you uh, in the house today. Awesome. All right, guys. Um, yeah, so Joe, you really just kick-started what I'm going to be preaching today on the topic of humility. So coming forward and sharing a testimony like that in your life is not easy. It's not easy to be able to share uh, a, um, a testimony of humility, and that's really what it is. To be able to come into uh, an environment and just saying, hey guys, you know, I've got stuff. I've got stuff that I'm dealing with. I need prayer. I, need, I needed the Lord. Uh, I didn't need the bottle. I didn't need the pills. I needed Christ in order to bring breakthrough in my life. And I want to encourage you guys today that, um, and to come forward for prayer afterwards. I definitely want to, Joe, I want you to be praying for people as well too afterwards. For those who've got stuff in their life that they haven't yet dealt with and that they're seeking breakthrough for. I want, uh, I want you guys to be coming forward for prayer because I know Joe's got an anointing over his life in this area. All right. Um, so as Joe mentioned, that we, we're kick-starting our vision series called In Malma As It Is In Heaven. So our vision series uh, is something that we, that we do every year, but this year is a bit of a new, a new chapter that, we, that we're taking on as Christelle and myself have taken over this church um, almost a year now. So Pastor Quinton and Susan have been, uh, they started the church more than 16 years ago, and they've gone back to Australia, and they handed over the church to us, and uh, it's almost been a year, and, but we've also felt that it's time for an, uh, to, to release a new vision, to release a new uh, mission, and also share some new values that we want this church to carry going forward, <clears throat> and so in Melma, as it is in heaven, is our new vision statement, and it's been inspired by, by the Lord's prayer, as, as Joe said, out of, out of uh, Matthew 6. And so it's important that anything that, we, anything that we do in this church, anything that we anchor ourselves to, we want to anchor it in Scripture. 
really believe that this changes our lives. Without this, guys, our lives are lost. Without this, our lives are directionless. And so we want to make sure that everything that we do in this church, everything that we, that we speak from, from the pulpit, anything that we want to have perpetuate into this church, whatever it is, we want to make sure that it's birthed and born out of Scripture and, and our vision is no different in that sense. So in Malma as it is in heaven, inspired by the Lord's uh, prayer, Matthew 6, verses 9 to 10, uh, Jesus was telling his disciples to pray like this when they didn't know how to pray. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Malma as it is in heaven, in the Urusunt as it is in heaven. All right. So... Um, your, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically, what it says is that whatever fills heaven, God asks us to fill here on earth as well. God's kingdom is not of this world. God's kingdom is not of this world. It's in opposition to what the world offers and represents. Our sole reason for being created is to be able to worship God and so doing will fulfill His will for our lives and for the lives of those around us. A culture of living as a, as a Christ, in a Christ-like lifestyle, is counter-cultural. It is very, very different in opposition to how this world lives. And in so doing, we'll be creating pockets of heaven as we spread the good news of Christ as He lives in our lives. This is so important. Over the next few Sundays, we'll be focusing on God's kingdom through the parables Jesus told and exploring God's will for our lives. So it will be a very parable-orientated series. Um, and so, yeah, we'll have Justin, who's going to be... No, Christelle, you're preaching next Sunday. Sorry. So she's going to be preaching next Sunday. All right. Uh, and so for us to understand the explanations that Jesus made in regards to the kingdom of heaven is like, and also his will for our lives, we are going to thoroughly understand this vision statement in Malma as it is in heaven. In Malma as it is in heaven... We all play a part in this vision. All of us have a role to play. All of us participate in this vision on earth, in Malma, in the Urusun region. All right, so let's take a moment and let's pray. Father, I bring, this, <clears throat> I bring this service to you. I pray, Lord, that you anoint my words this morning, season it with salt. I pray, Father, that every word spoken this morning, that you will bless people with it, that you will stitch the words to people's hearts. I pray, Lord, for transformed and changed life this morning. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Sorry, as Joe said, many of us are, <coughs> are recovering from a bit, of a, a bit of a cold, a sickness, and uh, I'm no different. Hey, uh, I'm going to be preaching out of the parable of the great banquet uh, this morning. So out of Luke 14, verses 15 to 24, so I'm going to narrate this a little bit. I'm not going to read it directly. The, um, the scripture will be back so you guys can fact check me, make sure that I'm not deviating. And if I am, please raise your hand and I will correct myself. But, uh, if, um, but I, I, will, I will just share this. So the parable of the wedding feast in Matthew 22 is a bit of a similar parable as well too, with some significant differences though. Um, but Luke's gospel is basically the story is that Jesus is on his way to one, a well-known Pharisee's home. I'm not sure if Jesus was invited. He may have invited himself. He did that on occasion. Uh, he was like, hey, man, I'm going to have a meal at your house today. So, uh, yeah, like I said, you know, you guys are welcome to do that. I think we're family in this church. Again, I can highlight a few people that make really good meals. They can invite yourselves to their home. <clears throat> Stina, uh, <laughs> Yvonne, a few others. 
Um, so you're welcome to invite yourself to their home. They have an amazing meal. All right, so, um, so as Jesus was about to enter this home of this well-known Pharisee, of course, there was a number of other Pharisees there, there was a man with a disease called dropsy. Dropsy basically is, um, uh, is the inability of the body to get, any, uh, get rid of any fluid in the body. So there's usually your abdomen or your legs or your feet are, are, are um, swollen uh, with, um, with fluid. So you need, usually your urinal tract is not able to get rid of the fluid in this body. And so this person came there with, a, with an aching abdomen. And um, so Jesus healed him. He, he healed him on, on the Sabbath day. And he also asked the Pharisees then, do you, do you, yeah, I mean, is it wrong to, to heal on, on, on the Sabbath? And they, they remained quite silent over there. And then he, and he went and got and say, well, you know, wouldn't you, wouldn't you rescue your child or your ox that fell into a well on, on the Sabbath day? And they kept silent, you know, and, and they would do that. And in the same way, Jesus healed this person who was in need. Um, Jesus then says that those who, and, and so his response to his, the, this exercise of healing this person, Jesus says that, that when those who serve others will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous, Luke 14, 14. And as, at that statement um, of, of, of the, the mention of the resurrection, there was someone sitting at the table uh, at, the, at this Pharisee's home where Jesus was then seated with a number of other people. This person said this um, once Jesus made that statement, blessed is the man who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And then Jesus replied with this um, with this, with this parable. And again, so Jesus' response at the table with the story of the banquet was Jesus' way, was Jesus's way of saying the kingdom of God will be counter-cultural to the way that we expect it here on earth. Right? Jesus' banquet up in heaven and on earth will be counter-cultural to the way that the world expects it. I'm going to use that word, guys, and this is going to be a bit of a red thread as well to throughout our our vision and, and what I want us to, to understand that this is what it means for, for, uh, uh, for heaven to be on earth is that it is counter-cultural. It is different to the type of culture that you and I know and that the world tries to push on to us. And I want to make sure that you guys get that today. Um, so in the parable, uh, the man, um, the host invites a number of guests. You know, as he's busy preparing the banquet, he, he invites a number of guests um, as, as the banquet is being prepared and when it is ready, he sends out his servants and then he, he basically says to these servants, hey guys, those that I've invited, call them in, it's now time, the banquet is ready, the food is ready, the candles are lit, the cutlery is ready, the crockery is out, uh, the, the, um, the roast pig is on the, well, probably not a pig back in those days, but at least probably a, 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 like a roast lamb or something along those lines where it was on the table, everything was ready, ready to be consumed. And so... Um, as, as the servants came and invited these people, they came up with a number of flimsy excuses. One said that, hey, you know, I've just bought a piece of land. Um, I need to go take a look at it. I, I can't come. Sorry. The other one said, hey, I bought five oxen. I'm going to go and try them out. Sorry, I can't come. Another said, um, I've just gotten married. Sorry, I can't come. I mean, when you're just married, you've got all the time in the world. What are you talking about? I mean, that's, that's, like, that's like where you have all the time. I remember Christelle and myself, when we just got married in Cape Town, I mean, we were going to parties, we were putting parties on, it was great, pre-children, it was amazing, it was amazing, we love our children, of course we do, but hey man, I mean, you got like a lot of time on your hands, so what an excuse, I've just gotten married, I don't have time to join a party, what's up with that, that's ridiculous, what a, what a silly example, or an excuse, and so obviously the, the host was quite angry, I would, I would imagine like he's, 
you know, these people were like guests, you know, they were on the guest list, they were probably well-known family and friends, and, and they got all these useless excuses as to why they don't want to join this party. Um, so, the, so, the, so the master said, hey, listen, forget those people on the list. He said to the servants, go into the streets and the, and, and the alleyways and go get the, the poor, the blind, the cripple, uh, the brokenhearted, invite them into this banquet, and, and we're going we're gonna to have a good time. And so when they did that, um, there was still space. There was still space in the banquet hall for more. And they told the master this. And the master said, hey, go out, to, go out into, the, into the countryside and go collect all the people that you can find and invite them into the banquet uh, because there is space in the house uh, for, for them. And so Jesus ends the parable in relating to the master's determination that not one of those men who were invited will taste my banquet. Not one taste my banquet, those who are invited. In the beginning, just prior to uh, the, the, the parable that Jesus told, Jesus healed this man who had this disease called dropsy. And so he, he basically performed a miracle. Back in the day, they didn't call it miracles, they called it signs. And signs basically revealed who you were, all right? So a sign back then was revealing who you were. And so Jesus was known as a miracle worker. He was known as a healer. He was known as the Messiah. And so the question might come to your mind that if you remember one of the first miracles or signs that Jesus did was he did it at a party, right? He did it at a wedding, right? There was a, there was a feast ongoing at this wedding. And, and, and so Jesus did this incredible miracle. He turned water into wine and like gallons of it. I mean, like it was in like there was a lot of wine. And you know, so the kingdom of God is a, is a banquet. It's it's, it's about a joyous festival. And many, many people think that, that Christians are, are, are stiff-necked, you know, upright, boring individuals, no party. Hey, man, I, I enjoy a good glass of wine every now and then. What's, there's nothing wrong with that. Jesus is, is he's, he's the, he was the life of the party. He was, he was, he was enjoying. He was, he, was, he was there to be able to have people understand that life is a banquet table. It's, it's an opportunity to be able to gather and spend time together and, and relish in each other's company. And so Jesus was an, ex- that, you know, there was an, I don't think it was an accident that Jesus did his first miracle at a wedding, at a banquet, at a feast, because he tried to show people, hey, I am countercultural over here. I'm encouraging you guys to enjoy and have a good time in, in, at, at, this, at this festival, at this party. And so if you scratch your head thinking, why would Jesus use parties to do, your mir- to do miracles? Well, I say, friend, then you don't really know Jesus. He really is someone who likes to be the life of a party. And I want to encourage you guys to, to, to think about that. And if, you, if it is a bit of a mindset shift, hey, I want to pray with you afterwards. And, and let's, yeah, let, let's be praying about that because Jesus is the life of the party. Jesus responds to the man who made that statement about the banquet in, in, in heaven. Well, well, and Jesus says that, yes, I agree with you. Um, the banquet of, of heaven will be as you say, but it's not the kind of, of banquet that you think that you're going to be going to. Um, it might be that, um, and, and so the, the world approach to inviting people to parties is that the world approaches the well-known, the wealthy, the well-to-do. I don't know if the hip crowd, I don't know if that's even a relevant word these days. I don't know, I need to ask a Gen Z, like hip crowd, is that even like, is that even like, do we use that word these days? I did at least uh, back in the day. Um, the most confident and attractive. But to enter the feast of the kingdom of heaven requires humility. Right, so Joe touched on it today. Humility. And that's going to be the red thread this morning. And I'm going to be sharing with you guys humility. In the parable, Jesus explains that only the humble 
Those that don't have a significant view of themselves will be at the feast, at the banquet table. So Jesus uses uh, the term humility in a number of different occasions. He says it in Matthew 20, verse 16. He says, the first shall be last, and the last shall be first. In the same breath, in, in Luke 14, verses 11, he says, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. I believe that being humble is a big part of emotional health, or emotional maturity, sorry. I think being humble is a big part of emotional maturity. I see it in the workplace all the time. I see insecurity hiding behind pride in many, many occasions. I don't know if, if many of you work in big corporates or those that, I, I see it often that, 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 that this insecurity is hidden behind, behind pride. People are proud and, you know, I remember one specific person, Stefan knows him quite well as well too. I, and I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of insecurity behind a lot of people that are, are these proud individuals, especially in the, in the workplace, in the corporate place. And, and I believe that humility is a clear indicator of emotional maturity. I believe that, hum, that, that humility is a clear indicator of emotional maturity. You don't, you don't have to pretend to, to be anyone or anything since your identity will be rooted in Christ. Christ embodying humility. And so it's important, guys, that humility being a part of your everyday fabric that's woven into your lifestyle. And in so doing, you'll be a part of that banquet. Just think about the persons that, that were at the banquet. It was the humble, the meek, the mild. Those that were proud and too busy, they weren't invited to be a part. Well, they were invited, but they, they rejected the invitation. And so the parable of the great banquet shows us that God's kingdom is a feast. But it's not the kind that you think. Instead of the, a feast for the rich and the proud, it's a feast for the humble. For us to one day partake in this feast, we need to humble ourselves. We need to humble ourselves. How do we do that? And, and so I'm glad you asked, and I'll, I'll give you four points as to, as to how to do that this morning. The first, that Jesus shows us that you must humble yourself under the slowness of the kingdom, the slowness of the kingdom. The kingdom, of God, uh, the, the kingdom of God on earth is a foretaste of the banquet in heaven. To enter the kingdom of God, you need to humble yourself under the slowness. One of the values that we've shared, and you'll see, we'll, we'll share it on, on, on email, and Christelle and myself will record a, a short video as well too that will go out next week. One of the values that we have in, in church is a slow down spiritual life. We want people to have a counter-cultural approach to the way the world does it. Counter-cultural. The world says that, hey, you know, we need to, we need to move fast. We need to, you need to be able to prove yourself. You need to engage. You, need to, you, have, to, you have to do more than, than, than being with God in order to be able to, 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 to accept, be accepted by God. But no, it's actually it's the humble, it's the slowness of, of being in God's presence that will allow you to be at the banquet feast one day. If, you, if, you, if you're in a rush all the time, you won't have time to be able to invest in people. Christelle spoke about it at her message about the, the slow down rhythms of life. In that if you are in a rush to go from A to B, you, you're not going to notice the person next to you. There won't be time to invest in the person next to you. 
We want to receive the limits of, 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 of uh, uh, the gift of the limits of God. Nowhere do you read in the Bible that Jesus ever ran from one event to the next. If you read in the New Testament, it said, and he walked, and he walked. He went and he walked to Jerusalem and he walked to Capernaum. He never ran. And Jesus was never in a hurry to go from one point to the next. In some instances, he was, he was light as well too for Lazarus. But in, in, in our opinions, he was light. But he, he, he wasn't in his opinion. He wasn't. Humble ourselves under the slowness. Now, so I want to encourage us, let, let's make space in our lives, in our weekdays, in our weekends, to be able to have the presence of, of God and Christ in our lives. Let's spend time in our devotionals. Not just, let's not get up in the morning, uh, hit the alarm, go downstairs, eat breakfast, get the kids going. You know, get up half an hour or an hour earlier. Spend time in the Lord's presence. Slow down. Go to bed earlier so that you can get up. Enjoy the new rhythm with Christ so that you can have that place, be at a place of humility in your life. Secondly, let's the, um, the, um, humble ourselves under the freeness of the kingdom. The freeness. Everything has already been prepared for us. Everything has already been prepared for us. You don't have to pay for it. You don't have to bring anything to the banquet. It's already been paid for. It takes humility to receive a gift and a free gift, of course. I, I, many times I've, I've given gifts to people and they're like, oh, no, 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 we don't. It's like, no, no, take the gift. Take the gift. It's free. If a friend invites you to a, to a fancy restaurant for a, for a meal, it's a three-star Michelin place, and the meal's like $300, 3,000 crowns for a meal. You don't bring your IKEA glass container with you with shutbula, with as you come to the table, give it to the waiter and saying, hey, can you just warm this up? No. If, if, if you've been invited to be a part of a, of a banquet, of a meal, don't, you don't have to bring anything. You don't have to bring anything. It's, God has, has given us this free gift to be able to be at the table with him. We don't have to bring our, our, our meatballs and our, and our pasta to the table as well. Don't, God's got a banquet ready for us. Humble ourselves under the freeness of the banquet. Point number three, humble ourselves under the commonness or the averageness of the kingdom. The first of sets of people that, that Jesus invited uh, were people who were born of, of, the, of in Jewish homes. Those were considered righteous because of uh, association of birth, but they rejected Jesus' offer or they rejected the Lord's offer. Jesus then invited or the, or the master then invited the, uh, the, the lost, the broken, the down and outs. Those are that are on top of the social class, the well-educated, uh, those, uh, they, they find religion, uh, our, our Christianity, or they find Christianity not as palatable as other religions, because it requires you to acknowledge that you're a sinner, it requires you to acknowledge that you need Jesus Christ, the one who died for you, to be, to be accepted or adopted under God's free grace. Every other religion has... Has this, has this position where you can only you only need to do enough, only do enough good things versus bad things. The scale needs to be tipping over to good, and, you, and you'll be okay. You'll, you'll, you'll inherit eternity. Or, or it says that, no, you only need to be compassionate and be a good person, and then you will inter, inherit eternity. 
the Christian gospel to these, to these people, to, to the highly esteemed, is, is degrading. The gospel is humiliating because you need to humble yourself. You need to come to the place of humility. So why, why, why is it that the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ is more receptive to, to the needy? And I've been to many different countries where there's been, um, where, uh, where there's underprivileged, uh, especially in Africa, I've been to many different countries. And I see these poor people coming out and they're just so hungry for the gospel. They're so hungry to hear about Jesus. They're so receptive. They're so receptive. They're curious. Their souls, uh, there's humility in their demeanor. They're so humble to receive. Us in the Western world, and especially in Sweden, we, you know, the world, in this world, you know, lifts or turns its, its nose up in, in pride to, to the gospel because of, its, because of its, 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 its nature, because it requires us to be humble in the way that I've just mentioned. We reject this invitation to this banquet because we're too busy, supposedly, with our lives, always coming up with excuses why we can't attend to this invitation. Church, let's humble ourselves and accept this invitation from Christ. Let's, 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 let's humble ourselves. Let's be countercultural to the ways and let's respond to Jesus. Let's respond to this invitation of humility. The kingdom of earth, accepting the invitation of the banquet, is firstly accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Secondly, it's been baptized. For those who haven't been baptized, there's the opportunity before the summer and also after the summer. Hey, I just wanted to mention, we're going to be doing a church camp this year with C3 Frederikstad, and we're going to be doing baptisms as well too. It's going to be close to um, uh, Young Shipping. What's the place of the name? Uh, again, I forgot the name of the little place, but it's close to, to Young Shipping. But we're going to go to, to this, uh, it's about three hours drive from here. As a church, we're going to be doing a church camp with C3 Frederikstad, and there we're going to be doing some baptisms. So I want to give you guys the opportunity to, to be a part of that. It'll be the 18th to the 20th of August, put it in your calendars. Sorry for the commercial, but it's going to be a great time to spend time together as a, as a family, as a church family. All right, so, so, so making sure that we baptize, making sure that we're walking in, the, in, in, in a walk of discipleship, and also then have the ability to be able to disciple others as well too. So making sure that we are walking, uh, there's humility in the, in the commonness and the averageness of the kingdom of heaven. Point number four, um, humble ourselves under the priority of the kingdom. Humble ourselves under the priority of the kingdom. Why did the people that Jesus, so why did the people uh, that Jesus invited not come? So in verse 16, we see that the guests were invited while the banquet was actually being prepared. Right? In verses 17, the servants then went out to the already invited guests and said, hey guys, the banquet is ready, it's time to come, the food's on the table, you guys are welcome to come in. You're welcome to come in. I think that the invited guests are, are like some Christians living a very basic Christian life, happy to, to come to church when it suits them as long as it doesn't require their lives to be disrupted or disturbed in, from their normal routines. But once the banquet is ready, they're invited to join this feast. They're invited. But they refuse to come because it disturbs their normal life, disturbs their normal routines. They were not willing to give up the comforts and the routines. Coming to the banquet is just too disruptive to their lifestyle. Church, I want to encourage you to make the banquet, the Lord's Supper, 
a priority in your life. If you're not, if you, if you're not saved yet, or I want to invite you forward for prayer afterwards. I want to pray with you. I want to pray that sinner's prayer so that you too can be at the banquet one day. Let's, let's be humble enough to come forward for prayer. I know it's sometimes daunting to, to walk out of those seats and come forward and you think, oh, people are thinking oh, I'm the sinner and I'm, don't worry, we're all sinners in this room. I want to invite you for prayer afterwards for those who haven't given their heart to Jesus Christ. For those who, um, who haven't yet been baptized, again, there will be an opportunity um, before and after summer to associate or identify with the death, the burial, and the resurrection through baptism. For those who haven't yet uh, walked the road of discipleship, opportunity with Emotional Healthy Spirituality course. And so we would want to have more people being able to then lead others into discipleship as well. Again, church, is an incredible opportunity to become an emotional healthy disciple in Christ through this course, Emotional Healthy Spirituality. It's a chance to come to the banquet table, to come to the feast and enjoy what's on offer. There'll be many reasons why you cannot come to this course. There'll be many reasons why. It might be that you've just bought a piece of land or you've bought some oxen or you've just gotten married. There could be a number of reasons why you don't come to this. But I want to encourage you guys. There's going to be reasons why you can't come. It might be your work schedule. I know many times it's not possible, but it can be that it's possible to change your work schedule. It might be that your child is doing like five activities in a week. Hey, can I just encourage you guys? Can we just slow down the pace in that area? You don't have to do that many things. With, your child doesn't have to be doing piano, speaking Chinese, doing all these other things. Sorry, I, I, nothing wrong with Chinese. But it's just, we don't have to be doing all these things. So let's, let's make sure that we're making a bit of space in our week so that we can actually be a part of this course and come to the banquet. Let's not be like those guys making those excuses. So let's humble ourselves under the priority of the kingdom of God. I'm going to ask Bobby, the band, to come up to stage. <laughs> awesome. Let's just give Bobby a round of applause. He's done a really great job. Again, there's been a few cancellations, unfortunately, due to sickness. Band members weren't able to make it today. So as I come to a close, Jesus showed the ultimate form of humility. Jesus showed the ultimate form of of humility, it started at at the um, at the supper, the last supper. Also, there was a bit of a banquet ongoing there. They were reclining next to the table. They were busy eating, and Jesus was speaking to them. And I'm going to just read this passage out of John 13, verses three to nine. I think it's so so powerful. Jesus knew that his Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a bowl and a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm, uh, <clears throat> I am doing, but you later will understand. No, Peter said, you will not wash my feet. And Jesus answered, unless I wash your feet, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not only my feet, wash my hands and my head as well. Here the maker of our universe, sent to heaven, humbled himself, went into his hands and knees, washing his creation's feet. Washing his creation's feet. Now guys, 
I just want to just want to be clear that you know those feet probably didn't look very good. They haven't been for a pedicure in years. All right, those feet were the toes were overgrown, toenails were overgrown, the, the, the feet were all filthy. You know, back in those days, everyone was wearing sandals. There were no tarred, beautiful roads. Um, everyone was working, walking on dusty roads. There was no socks and shoes where everything kind of looked great. That, those feet were, they were gross, man. It was terrible. You don't want to come close to those feet. Jesus was there on his hands and, and, and knees, busy washing the disciples' feet, washing their feet. The death of Jesus on the cross was, again, the ultimate act of humanity. Everything leading up towards that, his beating, his whipping, led to an ultimate sacrifice for you and me. By washing his disciples' feet and dying for you and me, Jesus was showing what it meant to love people well. Also one of the values that we've uh, implemented in church as well. Loving people well. Going to the extent of loving his creation. To love people well, guys, is truly countercultural. I'm going to be honest. It, you know, the Bible says that, you know, love your enemy. Jason and myself are driving in the car this morning and he says, Daddy, I need to love my enemies. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's right. Where did you get that from? It was, it was, you know, and, and, and that's like, that's, that's countercultural. Because this world says that you, you need to hate those that hate you. Repel those that, that repel you. But Jesus says, no, love those that even, how, how good is it? Or how, how, how good is it to, to love those that love you? You should love those that also hate you as well too. Wow. How countercultural is that? To love people well truly is countercultural, as Jesus did. His humility in laying down his life to be in relationship, for that you and I can be in relationship with our holy maker, is a massive thing. I don't think we truly understand the humility of having to come down from heaven to be amongst your creation and then also suffer under their oppression. What kind of humility does that take? Church, I want us to be a countercultural church. I want us to be a countercultural group of individuals. I want us to be recognized because we are different. We just assimilate to the world and we just like them. Let's be countercultural. Let's humble ourselves in all areas in our lives. Let's make sure that we humble ourselves in the slowness. Let's humble ourselves in the freeness. Let's humble ourselves in the commonness. Let's humble ourselves in making the the kingdom of God a priority in our lives. Church, let countercultural ways be the ways that we live our lives. As we've read, the kingdom of God is like a banquet. With it being filled, humble people. Let us ask God to search our hearts today. Help us uncover, is there anything in our lives that we haven't yet laid before his feet and humbled ourselves with? I want to end off and let's just close our eyes and let's pray this morning. I want to invite you again for prayer after the service. I really believe that if the Lord has spoken to you this morning, there's an opportunity to humble yourself this morning. Come forward for prayer come and confess anything that you're struggling with as Joe mentioned might be some of these big ticket items that he mentioned but might be small things as well too or smaller I want to encourage you to come forward for prayer and
saying, Lord, I humbly come before you, Lord. I want to lay down my life before you. Commit all areas of my life to you, Lord. I want to lay down my life at your feet, Father. I realize, Lord, I cannot do it without you this morning. I cannot do life without you. I need you, Jesus. I need you in my life. I pray, church, this morning that if you feel that there's, an, if there's, there's, a, there's a tickle in your spirit around, ah, I need to come forward. I don't, I don't want you guys to, to withhold and to stay behind and saying, no, no, I'll, I'll come next time. Now is the opportunity to come forward. As we, as we pray and worship, Joe's going to be in the front and Christelle as well praying for a, for, for a few people. I'll be here as well. Be praying for people for breakthrough in their life. Satan wants to keep us captive. He wants to keep us uh, prisoners of our own lives. Christ wants to come free us, to walk in freedom. Walk in freedom. I have to humble myself many times when Chris and myself have had a bit of a, use a very fancy word, altercation at home. And uh, I need to most times come and humble myself and say, you know, Chris, I'm really sorry. It was my fault. When you humble yourself, restoration takes place in the relationship. And I really want to believe this morning that you feel the same as I do. And that if you want restoration in your relationship with Jesus Christ, it's going to take humility to come forward for prayer. To pray that prayer of humility. To say, Father, I'm sorry. I've been leaning onto the bottle. <clears throat> leaning onto the bottle. I've been leaning onto that, onto that pull. I've been leaning onto those things on the internet. I've been leaning onto whatever. I come and say sorry this morning. You, Father, in my life. I need you in my life. I desperately need you. Church, let's stand and let's praise the, word, uh, the Lord this morning further. And I want to encourage you guys to come forward for prayer.